So just where are teens getting their alcohol and what can the medical profession do about it? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and with me today is Dr. Raymond Scalatar. Dr. Scalatar is a former chairman of the American Medical Association and an advisor to the Distilled Spirits Council. Dr. Scalatar is a specialist in arthritis and rheumatology and for nearly two decades was a clinical professor of medicine at George Washington University Medical Center. Today, he comes to us as a medical advisor to the Distilled Spirits Council, which represents some of the biggest names in the liquor industry from Bacardi USA, Future Brands, and Moet Hennessy, yet has its own concerns about public health and implications. Dr. Scalatar joins us today from his offices in Washington, D.C. Dr. Scalatar, welcome to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Hi, Bruce. It's a pleasure to be with you. I enjoy your program, and I enjoy listening to ReachMD. Well, thank you very much. So, Dr. Scalatar, if you could first tell us about your role, and then we can go into talking about this issue that has come to the fore about just where are teens getting their alcohol and what folks such as yourself and your colleagues can do about it. Well, about seven years ago, the head of the Distilled Spirits Council asked me to come aboard as a medical advisor, and I saw that we see eye to eye on many issues, and we're against underage drinking. It's illegal, and we want to make sure that the public understands that. And the industry has been very progressive and forthcoming in getting their message out that underage drinking should not exist. And we're very pleased that we have a wonderful report by the SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, just came out with a report which showed that the majority of teens are getting their alcohol not from retail outlets. Everybody's being carded very nicely, and that's the way it's supposed to be, but they're getting it from parents and other adults, and this is a major, major problem. So the underage drinking is coming from non-commercial sources, and their kids are drinking in their home or someone else's home, and the statistics are very, very convincing. It's 90% of underage drinkers were given alcohol for free or had someone else purchase it for them. Why this occurs, uh, you know, some parents may be rather misguided in thinking that they're bonding with their kids, but it doesn't make any sense at all because it's illegal and has adverse consequences. And we're pleased that SAMHSA went into great detail, which they had never done before, about underage drinking and the behavior and social situations involved in underage drinking. And this report is also mirrored by other research organizations, National Academy of Science and the Federal Trade Commission, all found that youth, primarily young people, obtain their alcohol from sources such as parents or adult family members and friends. And as a medical professional, was this surprising to you? Because I'm looking at some of the notable findings, and there was one that said that more than half of all people aged 12, that's 12 to 20, engaged in underage drinking in their lifetime. Well, I think it is a heck of a lot of abuse going on, and I see it as a medical professional in my office. And when I have some teenagers come into the office for whatever reason, and you ask them, well, what'd you do this weekend? And they said, well, I in Georgetown had a couple of six-packs. And I said, what? And you realize that there's something really out of control, and people 
kids just do not realize, one, it's illegal, the consequences of it, and the health effects of it. And this is where medical professionals really have to get involved. How would you describe the scope of the underage drinking problem? And and also, is progress being made? Well, progress is being made, but we can't be complacent. I mean, underage drinking is probably at its lowest point since 1975 when data was first collected. But these studies show that, you know, kids are drinking above 12, and even though it has shrunk significantly. But that's a, the point is that even though there's a decline in alcohol-related motor vehicle fatalities, that's not good enough. One fatality is one too many. And we've just got to get the message out that alcohol in young people is not It's not legal, it's not wise, it's unhealthy, and it can have tremendous adverse consequences. And we've got to get the message out that parents and friends who give their kids alcohol should be subject to legal prosecution, particularly when there's fatalities which have occurred all over the country. And I know there's one situation that occurred recently in Chicago. So I think we have to recognize that this business of, quote, who's just bonding with our children is just totally misguided, and we have to recognize the parental responsibilities as far as this is concerned. So even though there's been a decline in the scope of the problem, it is still too much, and it's got to change. Well, if you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter with the Chicago Tribune. And joining me today is Dr. Raymond Scalatar. And our physician audience may remember Dr. Scalatar as chairman of the American Medical Association many years ago. But these days, he's an advisor to the Distilled Spirits Council. And one of the issues that they are bringing to the fore, uh, even as an industry organization, is this issue of teen drinking. And Dr. Scalatar was just telling us about the scope of the underage drinking problem in this recent report that was done. And if you could, Dr. Scalatar, tell us a little bit in detail about who do teens cite as these key influences regarding their decisions about drinking? Well, this is interesting because it's consistently, they say that it's their parents, the most powerful deterrent to drinking illegally, but yet it's the majority of you cite their parents as the primary influence in in their decisions whether to drink or not. And that's why parents have to understand this and they have to recognize that the profound influence that they have on their children and their young people, and they've got to be role models and they have to end this culture of being buddies or bonding by providing young people with alcohol. That's not solving any problems and it's not doing anybody any good and it could lead to serious fatalities. Were there any, and I'm sure that there were many, but could you cite some specific sort of public health implications to this, given some of the startling findings in the study? Well, the public health implications are really, you know, alcohol and driving, uh, number one, or alcohol intoxication, which is deaths from alcohol, or some of the bizarre things that some of the teenagers do on birthdays, drinking more and more. So we're seeing alcoholic liver disease. We can see all sorts of problems in alcohol intoxication. And motor vehicle fatalities are a reality. They're less, but we should not be tolerating that at all. There was also an interesting finding in the survey that talked about rates of binge drinking are significantly higher among young people living with a parent who engaged in binge drinking within the past year. I think 
This might be a surprise to our listeners, given you constantly hear about the binge drinking on spring break or at frat houses on college campuses. No, I think that's very, very true. And I think it's a monumental study. I mean, because in the past, everything was painted in such broad strokes, and they never asked the questions, the detailed questions that they've asked at this time. And they find that binge drinking is going on in the home, downstairs, wherever stuff is being concealed, and the parents may not be aware of what is going on with their teenagers. And also, there was a part in the study where they talked about an average of three and a half million people aged 12 to 20 each year, which is almost 10 percent, meet the diagnostic criteria for having an alcohol use disorder. Could you explain that to our physician colleagues and listeners out there about what is meant by an alcohol use disorder? crossing the line. They're getting into alcoholism and dependence on it. And this is something that they're just slipping down the slippery slope of alcoholism. And this is an alcohol use disorder when you have to drink. And this is the kind of thing that where physicians, when they see young people, the American Academy of Pediatrics have made a point that physicians have to be involved, the family practitioners have to be involved, and checking about alcohol and alcohol usage. And this is what alcohol use disorders are. You just go the slippery slope into alcoholism. And what are some of the things that are being done, the findings of the study, and how how are they being incorporated either by the government, uh, if you know, or even the Distilled Spirits Council, which you represent, which often comes under fire when things like this come about? Well, you know, that's an interesting comment because the reality of it is that the uh, distilled spirits industry, and that's one of the reasons why I was pleased to join them, is because I see eye-to-eye with the approach of their leadership against underage drinking, cooperating with the Federal Trade Commission to make certain that their advertising policies are appropriate. And they've had a code of responsible practice for more than 50 years, and they have really been on the forefront uh, cooperating with the Federal Trade Commission and We Don't Serve Teens and all the other efforts that have gone forward publicizing the certain general's call to action. These are major impetus of the discus, the distilled spirits industry, to see to it that alcohol abuse does not occur and that underage alcohol drinking ends. And also, will these results be used in upcoming campaigns, either from the industry or in doctor's offices or even perhaps with the government? Well, yeah. The acting surgeon general commented on it also and encouraged all physicians to be utilizing this information. And, you know, one of the most important things that physicians, when you see the patient, you've got to start inquiring. You've got to start asking about alcohol. I, I'm still surprised. Or, well, I really shouldn't be surprised or amazed because physicians are under such pressure that they tend to uh, ignore some of these social issues because they're trying to deal with the immediate. But physicians ought to be questioning their patients and the young people about alcohol, drugs, tobacco. And this should be one of the foremost questions that you should ask at any time. But getting back to the other point you made, I think that this is a major point for the industry and for public health officials to recognize that it's the parents and friends and peers who are providing alcohol to young people. And that is probably a surprise. I mean, did you have any idea that that would have been the case, given your involvement with this group or someone who's been practicing medicine? I've seen it. You know, you go to the beach in Rehoboth and you go to pool parties and you see odd things happening. 
but I never realized that it was of this magnitude. So from this standpoint, we finally have a good, excellent statistical study that codifies and really gets down to the point. With that, I would like to thank Dr. Raymond Scalatar, who has been our guest. He is a medical advisor to the Distilled Spirits Council, and we've been talking about this startling report on 40% of underage drinkers receiving free alcohol from adults over 21 and how the medical community can address this. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and I would like to thank Dr. Scalatar again for being our guest. To listen to our on-demand library, visit us at reachmd.com, register with promo code radio, and receive six months free streaming for your home or office. If you have comments or suggestions about this show or any others, please call us at 888-MD-XM-157. And I'd like to thank you today for listening. I am Dr. Linda Cruz from Temple University School of Medicine in Philadelphia. You are listening to the first national radio channel created specifically for medical professionals, ReachMD XM 157.